You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Hey mentors, just a reminder about the You Can Mentor book. It's titled You Can Mentor, How to Impact Your Community, Fulfill the Great Commission and Break Generational Curses. The whole point of this book is to equip and encourage mentors with new tools and ideas on how to make the most of their mentor-mentee relationship. If you're a mentor, hey, go pick it up. And if you're a mentoring organization, pick some up for all of your mentors. If you would like to order mass copies, like more than 20, send an email to me, zach at youcanmentor.com, and we will get you guys a special price. But go and pick up that book. It's good. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Joshua Manning. I am still taking over the podcast. I've, I've had a coup. I've taken over. Zach and John found out, what, about four weeks ago that... I'm doing this and Zach had really, really good feedback. So he's, he's given the green light, he's on board. Today I'm here with my very special guest, Caitlin Mowdy. She is our instructional coach in the K36 department at Forerunner. Fun fact about Caitlin, I used to say her name was Moody and I worked with her for, we're coming up on two years now and for 18 months of that, I called her Caitlin Moody until one day I heard her say her name. <laughs> And I was like, wait, I've been pronouncing this wrong the whole time. <laughs> this is a common occurrence in my life. Is it really? It is. Like, most people think it's Moody. Most people think it's Moody? Yeah. Wow. Just not as cool as Moody. I, I, yeah. I mean, Moody's, I mean, that kind of has like negative connotations, right? Like, oh, you're so Moody. Yeah. The, Mowdy, jo- the jokes come. The jokes say, come. oh my gosh, you're so Moody. That's your name. Like, that's not even my name though. <laughs> wow. That's... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I have pronounced your name wrong for 18 months. It's okay. Great. It's all good. Well, Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. We're, we're getting through this. Side note for all of our listeners, our studio is undergoing some construction at the moment, and there's not another quiet place to record this. So I'm doing my best to, to cut it all out. But if you hear some weird banging or saw noises or whatever, that's what's going on. So... You know, there's grace there, right? So, yeah, as you know, we've been doing a just a series on why I mentor. I've been going through and interviewing the coaches here at Forerunner, especially now that the school year is winding down and we're all about to go on break for the summer. It's just the perfect time to be able to, to do this. So we've had Coach Taj, we've had Coach Bailey, and now we've got Caitlin on the podcast today. So, Caitlin... Who are we? Who is who's Caitlin? What does she do? What does she like? What are her hobbies? What are her hopes, dreams? Introduce us to Caitlin. That's a loaded question. I feel, it like, is. I'm, I feel like I need some some prompts for that. I gave you like seven. <laughs> well, I really like basketball. Okay. Love basketball. Just and I, fun fact, think that the WNBA is better than the NBA. Ooh, that's a that's a hot take. Yeah, not many people agree. Uh, yeah. Not many people agree, but watch it. You will find out. 
Um, and you went, you just recently like won a trip to Washington. Is that where you went? Yeah, I did. I saw one of Sue Bird's last games in Seattle versus Las Vegas Aces. Nice. But it was the best. It was the best. And that was, that was for spring break, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you like basketball. Who else is she? Like, come on, introduce us to Caitlin. Like, tell us about yourself, how old you are, where you're from, growing up, all that. I am 23. I grew up in Plano, Texas. So very close. Been around Dallas my whole life. Been at Forerunner for about three years. Only worked here for two years, but been around Forerunner for three years. Loved so you had experience second. with Forerunner prior to coming on staff. Yeah, as a volunteer. So I volunteered as a tutor, and I came every Monday just to work on homework and whatnot with the boys. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know you were a tutor first. Well, okay. I guess that answers the how did you get involved with mentoring a forerunner. Actually, how did you hear about forerunner in the first place? Like, you came on as a tutor, so how did you how did you hear about them and, and jump on board as tutoring and then eventually making your way to coach? Someone who previously worked here had told me about what Forerunner was and I didn't really know them, but at the time, but they were saying like, Oh, I think you would like this kind of fit in line with what I was looking for. Which was what? I was looking for something Christ centered with kids. Actually, my vision was not necessarily elementary school kids because I was in school to teach high school age students. Mm. And so I wasn't looking for elementary, but God knew. And so he put me here, but I was just looking for something to pour into kids and teach them about who God is and particularly ones who might not get that experience in a church or on the daily basis. Gotcha. So you kind of already, even while you were in school for education, you were look, you were trying to ask yourself, like, how do I use this in a way to glorify God or how do I like how do I proclaim the gospel to kids who may not ever get that exposure? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's always the route that you can go of going into a Christian school, like a Christian program or something like that. But if you go into the public schools and that type of environment, it's different and they don't always know. They don't always get the experience of who God is and what it is to know him. Right. It's, it's different because I mean, it's the idea of separation of church and state that we have in, in America, right. Is the public school system is run essentially by the government. And so, because we have this idea of separation of church and state, we like, it's, it's much more difficult to be able to talk about faith in any way Within the public school system, whereas, you know, mo- most, if not all Christian schools are, are private. And so this doesn't apply there because they're, they're privately funded. They are not funded by the state. And so they can kind of set up their own rules and things like that. And that, that's beautiful in that it gives them the latitude to be able to have those conversations and give them the exposure. But, you know, what happens to the kids who are coming from a hard place, who don't have the resources to be able to go to a private school, like everybody deserves education and that's what the public school system is for. But because it's state funded, that creates some barriers there to being able to have conversations about faith. And that's something that, at least from my perspective, being in the junior high, and it's so wild to me that Forerunners after school program is truly in the junior high, like we meet in their library. That's been something that's been on my mind, like at the forefront of my mind the whole year, right, has been like, 
this is not normal. Like this is so weird that we're, and so cool. Like it's a literal miracle from God that we actually get to be in the school yelling at the top of our lungs, the manhood declaration every day and having forge, you know, having church on Fridays and worshiping and all of this is happening inside a school building and that the, the administration of the school has actually opened their doors and made it so like welcoming for us. I mean, JT and I have participated in so many things in the junior high, like their programming, right? We, we played in the staff or students game that, the school puts on for their students, right? It's the the school teachers play a basketball game against the students and we were invited to play in that, you know, things like that. Or, you know, we, we just found out that there's a whole page in the yearbook of the public school for Forerunner. And so it's just these little kind of things. It's so cool to see how God has worked in that. And so I can see how there's that desire to impact or reach the the students that may not get the advantage of going to a Christian school, like there's still a need there. And so I love, I love how that's like your heart is, you know, even, even having going, gone to school for education and knowing you wanted to be a teacher, but then kind of backpedaling and be like, okay, I'm still teaching, but specifically I want to reach this, this group. That's so cool. So you you alluded to you went to school you were were originally going to be a high school teacher mm-hmm. and now you're a elementary school instructional coach you started as a well you started as a tutor then you became a grade coach and then now you're an instructional coach why and you you hinted that like god knew really what was better which obviously he does cuz god's all knowing but why do you say that like why do you say that this was a better choice? I think it combines everything that not only that I want to do, but that he has called me to in one setting. So how we were just saying is we get to teach kids who aren't in private schools, private Christian schools. They might not even be in churches. They might not have even learned about Jesus, but we get to bring them in to a Christ-centered place and teach them who he is, what the Bible says, and how to be a man of God. So it combines the Christian aspect with the outreach to the kids from hard places and the ones who might not know about him. And that's kind of where I would like to head and where I've always been focused on is just the ones who haven't heard because everyone deserves to hear of Jesus. And that's obviously um, an end goal of every Christian is to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And we can't do that if we're only in the church. Yeah. I mean, Matthew, what is it? Matthew 28 specifically says, go, right? Go and make disciples. And I know that's a big part of my church's focus is outreach, not just within our church and, and building up our church, but it's, you know, going and proclaiming the gospel to this, we say to the city, the nation and the nations of the world, right? So to the city of Dallas, to the nation, you know, the United States, and we have people who get sent out regularly in church plants and we've planted churches in I don't even know how many, at least 20 different cities. And then we actually have international church plants or church movements, missionary movements in some places where Christianity is either persecuted or strictly like segregated against or whatever. And we have people on the ground there 
doing that work. And so you're right. Like I, I agree. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel and hear about Jesus. And some people are called to the the nations, but I know I'm called to specifically the city of Dallas and it sounds like you are too. And when did you, when did you kind of get a sense of that calling? I'm curious. To Dallas specifically or? To Dallas, to Forerunner, to students who are in the public school system? I would say around when I was 18, because previously I grew up in the church. And so I knew about Jesus, but I did not have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so there was a steady decline of faithfulness. And I kind of, I never didn't not believe in him, but I didn't follow him. Right. And so no, no one in the church and no one in my life kind of noticed that. But some teachers I had in high school, you could tell that they knew him and you could see that mm -hmm. light and it kind of just projected outward. And I would see that and it would make my hard situations better and it would pull me closer to God in them. And I was like, I would look at them and be like, dang, I want to be like that. I, I know it's God. It's evident that it's God. So what am I missing? Mm -hmm. And so it got me back on track to following God and to just seeking him, seeking that relationship. And that happened in the public school. So I, and I see those kids now and then that were just, they're just missing something. Mm -hmm. All they need is somebody to be like, Hey, I see you. I notice you. And there and, is a better way. And I love you. And I love you. Right. Yeah. They would tell me every single day, I love you all your life. Love you all your life. That's something I tell the boys now because it impacted me so mm -hmm. much. And it's been like six years. <laughs> so talk <laughs> yeah. about powerful, right. like, Hey, there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Cause that's what Jesus tells us every right. second. Like, you're important and I see you and you're not alone. It's loving them with true agape love, mm -hmm. right? And this true unconditional love. So how did you, like you, you, you said you saw the kind of the fruit in the lives of your teachers and that kind of pulled you back in, but how did that, like, what was that process? How did you get from, oh, I see this and I want this, you know, I want to experience this and I know it's God, but how did like, what was the kind of the practical or the guiding part of that, like that process? Honestly, I think it was seeing it consistently because throughout the entire two years that I knew them, I could see God. And while in the beginning I wasn't close to him, I didn't have any perspective of that. Seeing them have that and project it outwardly, mm -hmm kind of, it steadily built because, you know, kids mimic what they see. Okay. Even adults, we mimic what we see, we mimic what we're around. And so seeing them do that slowly translated into me doing that as well. And I don't think I noticed, I think it was like a light switch Gotcha. and boom, all of a sudden the lights came on. Gotcha. Was it like having conversations with them and be like, how do you, how do you stay so close to God? Or like you say, you like, you saw it and mimicked it. And I'm sure there was, you know, mimicking like their behavior, but mimicking joy and experiencing the fruit of the spirit joy are two very different things, right? I can pretend yeah. to be joyful all day long, but eventually if I'm doing that by my own strength, then that's going to fade, right? You know, mm -hmm. the, the old, or the phrase that Zach likes to say, if the joy of the Lord is your strength then you're only as strong as your joy. Oof. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Bailey tells me that. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's that idea is like, if, 
like I can pretend to be joyful and Loki, there are days in program where I'm like, I'm not feeling it. And I really don't want to be here right now because yeah. this, that, and the other thing are going on and I'm just exhausted emotionally, but I have 12 kids I got to pour into right now. Mm-hmm. And then I look at like JT who is my grade coach in the junior high department. And he literally comes in every day, like the most joyful person I've ever met. And I'm just like, dang, <laughs> I'm challenged because I'm like, I want that. Yeah. But how do I like, how do I get there to the point where it's truly the fruit of the spirit? And I know the answer there is like seeking God and pursuing God, right? The more I, the more I'm in the word, the more I'm doing the things that are building relationship with him. Like I've even seen that in myself where, where those fruits are more evident. And then when that kind of falls off because I get busy or whatever, like that's when I tend to have a harder time. So I guess my question in in all of that is how did you learn kind of the practical side of that? If nobody was really like specifically guiding you and saying, Hey, this is what I do. Right. I think I had enough knowledge of who God was to know that what you're looking at matters. So either you're looking at Jesus toward him or you're looking toward the world and yourself and your flesh. And so to, to have that switch of joy that you strive to have versus joy of the spirit, fruits of the spirit, I think it just comes from what you're looking at, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus through the word, through prayer, through worship. And that's something we all grow in every, like all the time. We're still, there's so many things that I don't know and that I'm still learning on the daily that. Well, that's why Paul describes our faith as a profound mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Is because there are things that we truly probably will never understand until either the second coming of Christ or we go to him, (laughs) whichever comes first. Right. So. Well, and it's just, you're never going to get those things apart from God. We know that, but it is so easy to look at yourself and look at others in the world and try to reach for those things and try to pull it out. And, oh, maybe if I just do this, I'll be happy. Maybe if I just become friends with this person, mm-hmm. I won't, things won't be so hard, but that's never the case. It fails right. every single time yeah. because you're not looking at Christ and Christ fulfills it all. And he fills all those holes. He does. And that is a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> it's a very hard lesson to learn. He pushes your face in the dirt sometimes, but it's worth it because in the end, it makes him your everything. Yeah. I like to refer to it as not necessarily he pushes my face in the dirt, but there have definitely been a few experiences in my life where he's like really met me in a dark place. And I refer to it as he's hit me over the head with a two by four. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, bro, like I'm right here. Yeah. Well, the rod for the shepherd. Right? Yeah, exactly. Keeps the sheep in line. Mm-hmm. Keeps them close rather. Yeah. Well, but I mean, the rod is a symbol of discipline, right? And mm-hmm. so kind of circling back to mentorship, like that's what we do, right? As, yeah. as part of our job is a lot of discipline with with the students just because, I mean, they're growing up and, you know, everybody makes mistakes and we get that. And that's, that's what grace and love is for, right? Is, yeah. you know, hey, like just because you've done a bad thing, A, you're not a bad kid, but B, like I don't love you any less, right? Again, right. true agape love, but there's also still consequences for our actions and there is still going to be some discipline. So, you know, it's like the rod, I'm thinking of Psalm 23 where it says his rod and his staff, they come for me, right? His mm-hmm. rod being like his discipline, his, his intentional like guidance and correction of like, no, this is the path you go down. Like that's a comfort because I know that 
at the end of the day, like his way is so much better than, than my way. Right. And so, yeah, I I love the picture of the rods. Right. So, okay. So you've, you came back to God in terms of pursuing a personal, personal relationship with him around 18, kind of in high school, that, that area, and just started kind of mimicking the teachers that you had that you saw this light in which that eventually ultimately led into about this time last year and a story there that we'll get into here in a second. But I guess my question there is who else, I mean, these teachers in a sense were mentoring you, who else Mm -hmm. in your life has been a mentor for you kind of growing up or even coming on staff, things like that? I think growing up, not that there weren't really great Christians around me, but I wouldn't say that there was someone who was intentionally guiding me or seeing the things that I didn't see, because that's a difference that I realized coming to Forerunner is mentors see what you don't. Mm. And so a good example of that is Beth, our own Forerunner. Director of operations. Best of the best. She mentored me last summer and that was honestly just all, like really life altering because she saw what I could never see in me and that's empowering. Like what? Like I'm not a bold person. I'm not, it's not comfortable. And so we would have a lot of conversations about how to be bold, even though I was like, Beth, I really don't like this. Like this is not comfortable. I don't want to come off as prideful. I don't want to be seen in that way. Says the woman who's literally sitting in this room recording a podcast episode right now. It's ironic. That's pretty bold. Well, thanks to Beth and God. But yeah, so just in the sense of boldness, but also we talked a lot about vision and mission and how identifying those things matter and they give you clear direction. So yeah, it kind of shifted everything in an empowering sense of like, hey, no, I see you. I love you. And I, and I believe in you. And that's, that's the goal with the boys every day too. Right. Is just, I see you, I love you. And I see your potential. You can do anything. And something that I try to tell them as often as possible is that they're going to change the world because every single one of them, whether it is in Dallas, whether it is in their families, whether it is in the nations, they have power to change the entire world. Yeah. And I don't, of course they're children, so they don't necessarily recognize that, but or even know what that means. Yeah, but they change me every single day. Yeah, They teach me things that I don't know. They teach me things that God is trying to tell me that I'm too stubborn to listen to. Like what? I think the most common one is how he shows up mm. for me. Like they'll ask me questions that I would ask God. Like one boy, not too long ago, we were outside and I was like, hey, I love you on his way to his car. And he stopped and he goes, why do you love me? And I'm like, wow, let me tell you. And God does the same thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, God, why do you even care? Why do you love me? Cause I mean, we're sinful, we're flesh. Like there's no goodness in us apart from him. So God, why do you love me? And why did you choose to send your son? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not worth it, but he says otherwise. And so, yeah, they teach me that sort of things. They just draw me closer to him. That's so good. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that kind of answers the next question of how does mentoring affect you? <laughs> you already hinted at it, but more stories. Like I could honestly, I could sit here and just listen to all the stories from K through six because, you know, we just talked about it. I'm in junior high. Like I'm in the school. I'm a mile down the road. I don't get to see what y'all do on a regular basis. Unlike last year where we were all in the same building and it was just kind of a quick like pop over after all my kids have left and you know, there's still two or three or whatever right. in, in K through six. So, you know, there were the, the relationship aspect of like the camaraderie between coworkers was easier back or last year than this year. So yeah, just more stories. I want, I want to hear more stories about K K through six and how, how they change you and the, the highs and lows of, of program and the crazy. And I know there was, there's been a few stories of things like backpacks going through windows and fire alarms getting pulled. And oh yeah. All, all the things. But even then, even in those, I think there's things that are being taught. So. Oh yeah. In the good and the bad, it's always, it's inches, right? Mm -hmm. Inches that compound to a testimony of God. And one story that comes to mind actually is how, who you are mentoring sees and listens and mimics what you do and what you say, kind of how we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. One kid, he, he asked me during grill work, which is a time where we do homework and, and reading. And he asked me, he says, coach Kate, can I practice my handwriting? I'm like, sure. Come up with a story. You can, you can practice your handwriting if you write a story. And a couple days later, he's still doing this story. He's still working on it. And he, point, he calls me over and points to it. And he goes, look what I'm writing about. And it does not say my name, but it's my entire testimony on the paper. Really? Yes. And I have never sat down and just told them the whole story of how God brought me to him. But through the pieces that I have shared, he remembered. Wow. And he wrote it down into a culmination of one story on his paper. And like filled in the gaps. He filled in the gaps. And wow. he saw Jesus in it. And that's not something I ever would have expected him to do. But it just goes to show that you don't have to necessarily have these powerful words and powerful moments all the time, mm -hmm. but just sharing what is true, sharing what you've experienced and where God was in that. They see it. And just showing up. Yeah, just showing up. Wow. That's, that's amazing. How old is this kid? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's getting baptized this year too. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. It is. And speaking of baptisms, that's just another way that I don't know if it was mentoring or being a mentor changed or affected you, or if that's just part of kind of the testimony of like coming, like being mentored in a way by your teachers and, and coming back to like learning what a personal relationship with God is and, and those kinds of things. But you actually got baptized last year, right? Mm -hmm. As at the forerunner baptism. So at the forerunner baptisms, let's go. Yeah. And you're the only coach that's done that. So yeah, it's man, just so many threads. I, I love forerunner. <laughs> right. I could say it a hundred times. Right. I yeah, love forerunner. I love forerunner. You know, it's, what we do matters and it is it, it's something that's not from a place of like arrogance or pride or anything like that no we we do what we do because we're called to do it right yeah i know i'm called to do it i know or you you know you're called to do it i think everybody here would say the same thing that they're called to 
be a mentor in some capacity at yeah. Forerunner, even if they're full-time staff and they're not in program every day. Like Coach Steven, our executive director, is still a mentor to one of one of the kids, yeah. right? And Coach Beth is finding people to mentor. You know, like we we all mentor in some capacity, even the people who are not in the group mentoring setting of the after school program. Yeah. So well, and I think too that a commonality between all of that is that nobody really would say, Oh yeah, I know what to do in all situations. Oh, I know exactly how to mentor every person that I'm mentoring. But it's the pauses where you pause and you ask God, what do I say? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do in this situation? Because it's kind of like Hebrew 10, 24, 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, like love, good works, don't give up meeting. Those are kind of broad terms. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a kid being so angry, he's pushing other, other kids, he's throwing chairs and you don't know what to do. What, like, what is there to do? Mm-hmm. You pause and you go, God, like, help me out. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So you don't have to know all the right answers and all the right, all the right things to do all the time. You just have to show up and be willing to ask God what to do because mm-hmm. he'll tell you. That's like one of the biggest lessons I've learned is God will tell you how to respond to these yeah. kids and to the people around you. Yeah, I know. I've, I've had that experience too. And the, the verse that came to mind for me was James 1, 5, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But like, I've had some of those experiences too, especially last year where it was my first year. And like, I mean, you at least had some kind of frame of reference for, for mentoring students and the fact that you went to school for education. Yeah, I went to school for something completely unrelated. I went to school for this stuff, right? Podcasting and, and sound engineering and lighting design, things like that. I had like no frame of reference for kids. And then last year, just being like, okay, one, I got hired, which is a God thing in and of itself. But then like, I, I did not know that I was being hired as the site lead until training started last year. Wow. So I walked in and they're like, yeah, make sure you text your site lead and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, who's my site lead? And then Darius is like, you're the site lead. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Whoa. Well, that changes things. Yeah. But like, so I'm already coming in first with no experience, but then getting thrust into a leadership position on top of that. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going like, it's me. Like, it, yeah, Darius is there and I can call him when I need him. But like, I'm the person facilitating program. It is literally my job to make program happen in the junior high. How, how do I do this? Like, especially with zero experience, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And, and there were several times where a fight would break out or a kid would just be openly defiant or whatever. And I'm sitting there just going like, God, I, I got nothing. Like you, I need you to help me out here. Cause I got nothing. And then like, it's almost like I would like, step back mentally and like watch myself in the third person deal with the situation and just mm-hmm. be like, where did that come from? Right. <laughs> right. Knowing that of course that it's God, but it's like, that definitely didn't come from me. Cause I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't even yeah. know why I'm here, but yeah. And then, you know, other, other situations, like sometimes it's just having the wisdom to be like, I need help. I need to call somebody. I actually just had this happen 
a couple of days ago, you know, it's the last week of program. And I just had this happen a couple of days ago. We had a kid show up and he had bug bites like all over, all over him. Right. And of course, you know, I can't give him anything because we're not allowed to administer medication and the school nurse wasn't there. And so I basically, I took him to the front office. I was like, is there anything you guys can do for me? He's like, no, there's really not. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I was like, I have no idea what to do. And I just called Darius. I was like, Hey, this is what's going on. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Do I need to send him home? Do we like, what do we do? And so Darius fortunately was literally like driving to the school when I called him. So he, he took over it, but it's still, it's one of those where it's like, there are times where I'm like, yeah, I have a year of experience and there are still things that I'm going to run into. And I know that I could do this for the next 10 years. And every year there's going to be a story of something I've never encountered before. And that's, you know, that's why one of Forerunner's values is what always be growing. Yeah. Right. We're always growing. We're always self-evaluating. We're always looking, right. Always asking the wise counsel. Mm -hmm. And Beth is one of the best people to ask for that. Oh yeah. No doubt. Cool. Well, you started as a tutor. We're, We're totally just switching gears now. Cool. You started as a tutor. You then got hired last year as a grade coach. And this year you started as a grade coach mm-hmm. and then made the shift to instructional coach. What, like the middle of fall semester? Yeah. Around November. Around November. And that was, so I guess the question there is one, why did that happen? And two, how has your role as a mentor evolved across the different the different job titles or the different responsibilities that you have. Right. Well, I would say it happened because one of our coaches and our, our site lead, I think it was just our site lead left. And so the instructional coach moved up to site lead. Me as a grade coach was asked to move to instructional coach and then we would hire a new coach. And honestly, I was very hesitant at first. This is is that idea of like being bold again. The boldness, I was like, Quinn, I, I don't think I can speak on the microphone every day and teach, teach this. It's so different when you have just 12 kids, 15 kids right. max versus 30 or 45 when it's the whole group. It may, it Y'all was, have 45 kids? That's our max capacity, yeah. Jealous. It's great. Anyway, um, continue. <laughs> Quinn had asked me, and he, he was so vague about this. He came up at recess one day and he goes, Caitlin, what are your top two strengths? Oof. Immediate panic. I'm like, you don't think I'm doing good at my job. I'm oh, yeah. not a good coach. That, is, that has to be what you're thinking, Quinn. And I didn't tell him, but one of the strengths I said was teaching. And then he was like, that's interesting. Can we have a meeting on Tuesday? And <laughs> you're like, what did I that. do? <laughs> he didn't tell me what the meeting was for. He didn't tell me why we were doing it. Nothing. And you're just sitting there going, what did I do? Mm-hmm. I was like, he's definitely demoting me he, or maybe possibly firing <laughs> He's me. about to fire me. I'm going to lose my job. Right. And so I said, sure, sure, Quinn, let's meet Tuesday. And I come in on Tuesday and he asked me about the instructional coach and he tells me why he thinks I should do it. And I was, I told him, I said, can I think about this? And he said, yeah, just let me know by the end of the week. And that's, that's familiar. Yeah. It was stressful because I, I take the boys super seriously. I don't want to hurt them in any way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to leave my team and have them feel like I was abandoning them mm-hmm. for everybody else. Right. I didn't want them to have to adjust to a new coach and have to 
have that hard process of getting close to somebody again and then do you trust that person that they're not going to leave to? And so I was super hesitant along with the fact that I just didn't know if I could do it. And I prayed so much about it. And I did ask Beth, I was like, tell me what you think. Cause I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And she told me what she thought and kept praying some more. And eventually I just felt God pulling me in that direction. And I told Quinn, I said, yes, I'll do it all nervously all unsure. Kind of, I don't want to, but yes. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say it was one of the best decisions because the reach that you get with instructional coach is across all K through six. So I get a relationship with every single boy. I get to talk to them and teach them about Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. And I get to answer their questions. I get to hear their hard questions and just lean on God to give me an answer to bring them comfort. And so I think being an instructional coach, it has, it's done those two things of expanding the reach and putting me in the position of teacher, but it also gives me the flexibility to hop around from class to class in those low moments of team time where they are with their team. And I'm kind of floating around, making sure each group is doing all right if they mm-hmm. need anything. And I can just be silly with them and sit with them while they're eating snack. I can ask them random questions they can ask me random questions. And so it gives me the flexibility to do that, which I've seen it. I've seen that cultivate deeper Mm -hmm. relationships. And I can imagine like just the being able to kind of float between teams and being asked all kinds of questions. I'm assuming these questions are like completely random. There's not always just like a, Oh, we're talking about the Bible today. It could be anything from the latest TikTok to, really, really deeply spiritual, like, why does God love me questions, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's so um, <laughs> makes me feel, in my mind, I'm like likening this to one of our eighth graders who was a seventh grader last year. And I, I think you know who I'm talking about, but he would literally, like, he would literally ask me like no less than 10 questions every single day. I do know who you're talking about. And they were the most completely random questions. I had, I had to like know everything from politics to like really deep spiritual theology. And like, yeah. I, I had to make sure that I knew the word. Right. And it just like, he kept me on my toes. I, like my mind is like that experience must, or like what you do must be that except 10 of him all at the same time. <laughs> Sometimes it is that. So how do one, it's like, how do you manage that? And two is like, there's, there's gotta be some kind of like anxiety or fear or something like that. Even in that of just knowing, I mean, James, man, I, I'm just on in the book of James today. James three Good book. says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Right. It's, it's, that's a, that's a heavy warning. It's like, I know I felt that. And that's a big desire in the junior high is like, as I'm teaching my forge messages, I'm like, really want to make sure that what I'm teaching is accurate. And there have been times where like the curriculum that Darius has given me is given a specific verse. And I'm like, this isn't really quite what this verse is saying, especially in context. And so I, I fortunately I have the latitude to adjust that and to, 
to be able to go and be like, look, this is what I was given. This is what I'm supposed to teach, but this is not actually what it's saying. This is what it's saying, but this is still how it applies in this situation. Right. So like, how do you, how do you manage all of the, like, how do I answer this question and that question and the one over there kind of thing? I try to be as straightforward as possible. Scripture interprets scripture. So as many verses as I can pull from the Bible to give them evidence of what I'm saying, I'll do that. Or at least quote it. I, we don't have to say, oh, John 4 or 5 says this every single right. time, but at least reference it so that it's not just me speaking, it's the Bible speaking. Mm -hmm. And two, just being willing to say, I don't know. Yeah. I would rather say, I don't know, than teach them the wrong thing and give them something that is not truth. And sometimes I don't know. Sometimes they ask questions that are super hard and it's not something that God tells us. And so I tell them, I don't, and we just had this conversation the other day. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the question that was asked, but it was essentially it boiled down to, we don't have the answer and that's why we need faith. What do we know about God? We know that he is good and that he does not lie and that he is the source of all truth. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know the answer, but he is saying something that doesn't really make sense, we can trust him and know that it is true yeah. without understanding the whole picture of why it's true. Yeah, no, that's so good. I know I've, I've done that too, where it's like somebody will, or a kid will ask me a question and I'm like, you know, I have no clue. I don't know the answer to that. But either one, that's why we need faith. Or two, if it's something that's, I know there is an answer to, I just don't know it. I'm like, I know a person who might know this answer. Let me... Like, let's, let's table this for now and I'll go check with them and I'll get back to you with that answer. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, There's uh, a couple coaches in seminary uh, or Christian colleges that are learning yeah. a lot of theology and doctrine. So yeah, I'll one of them will just, I know Steven does that a lot during staff prayer and he's like, what is this? Where is this verse? And he'll just be like Philippians four or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And he just knows it. Right. So I'll lean on them if it's something really deep that I just don't have a concept for. Mm -hmm. But does that create like a, or generate like a hunger inside you to go find those answers? Like within your personal walk, does like the questions that you get asked do, are, do they become things that, especially the ones that maybe don't have a, like a specific answer, are those the ones that you find yourself pondering? I would say yes. Yeah. Cause okay. I, I'm the type I want to know the answer. I want to know the Bible cover to cover. I wish I could memorize it. Right. All. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same exact way where it's like I, in my own personal walk, I almost have like a list of questions that I'm always like looking for the answer for as I study scripture. Yeah. Like as I read, as I read my Bible, as I do my quiet time, it's like, okay, what does God say about, I mean, the most recent one for me for many reasons was baptism. It was like, what is the theology behind baptism? Like what does scripture specifically say behind baptism? Because I mean, you know, we have so many different Christian denominations and they all believe something like they all believe the, the, the same thing in the sense of like, you should be baptized, but like the reasons for that are different. The eschatological reasons are different across the denominations. And so me being, for lack of a better term, a purist in many different ways. It's like, I would rather go to the source text. I mean, I've done this with literally the, the legal code of the United States before. It's like, I would rather go to the source text and figure out what is what it is exactly saying than to believe 
you know, all of these different commentaries, right? So for me, like that was a big one recently has just been like, what does the Bible say about baptism? What, like the, 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 what, the, who, the, why, the, how, like all of that, like, what does the Bible specifically say? And it is kind of vague. There are some, yeah. there are some things, but it is you know, in terms of like the practice of baptism, the, pra- or the, the practical, like logistical side of it, it's fairly vague in that. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> okay, God, so it's not here. What do you have? Yeah. So, okay, cool. Can I say one thing? Yeah. A story on that topic that I struggled with super hard this year was I was supposed to teach on God as our protector. Mm. And and I'll bet some kids ask them, why do bad things happen? Yes. But even before that, I was struggling because it was God, how do I teach them that you protect them when there's a lot of things you haven't protected them from that in a way that I can see Mm -hmm. like, yes, I'm sure I know that God has protected them in a way that might not be visible to my eyes or to their eyes, but how do I show that to them when they've gone through a lot of hard things? Mm -hmm. How did the two, it's a paradox, right? Yeah. How do you stand on the thin line between both truths? And I, I wrestled with that for a minute and I asked him. Only one minute? Only one minute. <laughs> for a long minute. Oh, okay. A long minute. A hot minute. Hot minute. I wrestled with that for a minute. And eventually I just asked him, I was like, God, just what do you want me to say to them? And he, he did show me. And one kid ended up asking me, how can you say God protects us? What about the guy who has a gun point to his head? And the man pulls the trigger. That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. That's a real question. And this kid That's is That's a high school question. And he's in first grade asking those types of things. And you just have to say what you know. Mm-hmm. God protects us from the worst thing that we could experience, which is separation from him. And there may be things that he, that he allows to happen or that happen in the world because of sin, but that doesn't mean he's not good. And that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. And ultimately he protects you from having to experience yeah. separation. It's so good. Wow. I mean, you're, you're crushing it as a teacher. Appreciate that a just, lot. Just saying like everything, just what I've seen throughout the year, which admittedly is very little cause you know, I'm my sight's a mile down the road, but just the conversations we've had and like the way I've seen you engage with the boys, the one, the one kid that just is like your little shadow. <laughs> I love him. Like, I just, you are, you're, you're crushing it. Like you, I, I agree with your assessment and with Quinn's assessment, like teaching is your gift, right? Thank you. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. And that does not segue in any way, shape or form into this final question, but we'll, we'll run with it. We've talked about it a little bit. What is your why? Like, why do you show up every day at Forerunner and pour 100% of yourself into 30 some odd kids, which that's 3000%, that math doesn't work. You know, how, what is your why? Like what gets you up in the morning to, to come here and do that on a daily basis? I think that when Jesus says he's with us always, that is through the Holy Spirit in us and it's through the Holy Spirit in others around us. And so why I show up for them is because I just want them to see that Jesus loves them. There are people around them that care about them, that would do anything for them. 
And I just don't want them to ever feel like they don't have somebody. Mm. Every kid, every person deserves to feel like there is at least one person that they can say anything to and will still be there. One person that will show up for them no matter what, who will love them in the dirt and in the, when everything's sunshine and all great. Sunshine and and lollipops. Right. (laughs) I've felt both sides of that. And so, yeah, I just want to make sure they have somebody. So your why is you want to make sure, you want to make sure that every student knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have somebody in their corner. Mm -hmm. And that, that someone is me, but more so that someone is Jesus. Right. That's so good. Well, Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Do you have any final, any final encouragements for our mentors, our listeners? If you are at all considering being a mentor, do it. It will change your life. It will change the life of the person that you mentor. And I think the biggest evidence of that is 1 Corinthians 11. 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's going to change everything. Relationships change lives and you're following Christ and that person can learn how to follow Christ too, through you. That's so good. Well, listener, if you've missed everything in this episode, then you've definitely been missing out. You definitely need to go back to the last 50 or so minutes and, and listen to it because Caitlin's got some fire things. But Josh if you, is very generous. If, you, if you've missed everything, hear this. You can mentor and you should, but you can mentor. See you next week.